The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic. It's the podcast that spent way too much time thinking about how it's going to overhaul Southend United. Hey, right at the top of the show, I just wanted to thank you all for the lovely reviews you left, both on Apple Podcasts and across social media. It really means a lot to me and producer Steve. We're, we're so excited about all the new stuff we've got planned. And thank you so much for your support. So what have we got on the show today? Well, never mind a Southend United overhaul. We've got a man on an overhaul all of his very own. He's making Barcelona great again. And he is Kevin Chapman. CJ Ramson's always great. He's here again for his position of the week. And this week, it's a personal favourite of mine, it's the no-nonsense centre-back of it. And we've got your letters, and we've got Joe Devine answering the question, what else do you play? But first of all... Let's talk FM22, because we're starting to get a better idea of what's changed. And there are changes, it seems. There are a few concerns online I saw. Uh, people saying maybe the features weren't that exciting, maybe not that much was going on. But if you bound over to Football Manager's website, you'll see some really interesting information on the match engine changes. And it seems these changes might be bigger than anyone expected. Now, on the face of it, there's a lot of talk about animations. And, and I, I like a, a nice animation. You know, I appreciate the turn of a, a good winger. But the more you read about it, the more you, you see that they're talking about fundamental changes to the match engine, the way that players move, the way that they twist and turn. And also, fascinatingly, the effect of fatigue on players. Now, it has been a thing. You'll have seen it if you followed the Schalke challenge on the Athletic, or indeed any of my teams as they inevitably fall away in March because they've just been pressing and counter-pressing all year. But it sounds much more tangible now. It sounds like an effort to reduce the potency of the Gegen press, but you'll, you'll see it in, in the accuracy of the, the players passing and when they decide to actually put the press on, suddenly they won't do it if they're too tired. It's going to make the new game very interesting indeed, I think it means we're all going to have to adapt very, very quickly. That is one of the reasons why you should really subscribe to this podcast, if, if you haven't already, of course, because we are going to be going through this new version like it's a Welsh landfill site and in there somewhere is a desktop PC with the access code for our Bitcoin account. We've got new episodes planned for every aspect of the game. We're going to have companion articles on The Athletic. There's loads of other stuff. In the meantime, I'm afraid, regrettably, we're all very much in the same boat, just sitting here twitching, desperate to get started. And on that note, Kevin Chapman, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I've been enjoying your work out there on YouTube, and it just seemed a really good time to do it because... Everyone is jonesing for the new football manager and like we've all got coping mechanisms. So some people were rushing through one last game. I saw RDF on Twitter asking if anyone wanted to play a fantasy draft this morning. <laughs> I always just go cold turkey pretty much shortly after the new season starts and just give myself a good break. But you... You have basically swerved the space-time continuum. <laughs> You've fired up like this edited FM21 that has been updated to basically give you the chance to rescue Barcelona from their own relentless stupidity. First of all, how have you done this? I wish I could take the credit for doing it, but it's a collection of stolen ideas, basically. There's a lot of people in the, like, FM content creator community have all done little parts of it, and I've kind of brought it all together into this one big thing 
as the Barcelona save, but we've got a collection of mods. There's a mod off of the Steam Workshop from a guy called Sven, who has the real results from the last year for each of the major European leagues available to download as a mod. So the first thing I did was downloaded all the results from the big five leagues and put them into the game. He then has another mod from the same guy that allows you to start the game in the future. He's basically created a league called the Back to the Future League that just runs alongside all the other leagues that you've got. That You know how different leagues have different start dates and depending on the start date of the league, you can choose when you start your game. This league starts right at the end of May, the latest possible day that it can start. So it's got all the real results in from the previous year. And then <laughs> you start a year in. So you start the save. It started in May 2021. And on top of that, I've got the Sort It Out SI transfer mod that's on there. A guy called Viking Dan, who's another streamer and YouTuber, actually put all this together for a Manchester United save that he was doing when Ronaldo came back and put out a video saying, play FM22 now, sort of. And I watched that and thought, you, sir, are a genius. You've combined all this together. I am having this. And then the last challenge... <laughs> was working out how to make Barcelona as much of a mess as they are in real life. Because anyone who's ever messed around with editing the database in FM in the past will know that it's all well and good giving a team a billion pounds or putting them a billion pounds in debt. But the game has an uncanny way of levelling everything out really quickly. If we'd have just started with a billion pounds in debt, firstly, it wouldn't have let us do that. I think when I was doing my testing, it puts you on an overdraft of about 200 million. That's the biggest it will let you go. And then almost immediately you get a takeover and you're fine. So what, what's uh, what's the starting point for Barcelona? What's their bank balance and, and how bad is it? The bank balance, well, the way we've had to do it is through a number of loans because the bank balance at the start of the game is effectively zero. I think it was like minus 40 million. But with these loans that we've got payable over four years, they've got over a billion pounds worth of debt coming out in loans. So they've got monthly payments for these loans, something in the region of 30 million pounds a month. So very quickly, you're losing quarter of a billion pounds a year. <laughs> and if you obviously don't have a fire sale almost immediately, you very quickly find yourself in a bit of a pickle. And you, you start off, I mean, I was, I was watching the, the first episode and looking at your first lineup and it's a perfectly good lineup, isn't it? There's still a load of quality there. Well, yeah, that's the other thing we did to try and keep it as true to life as possible. I ticked the little box that blocks first window transfers. So not only have we got all this mess, I can't start fixing it until the January transfer window because I thought, well, if I took over in real life now, which is obviously what we're thinking, if I took over in real life now in October, I can't fix anything until January. So... We locked all that off, and the big issue that you've got straight away is contracts coming up at the end of the season. I think Sergio Roberto, Osmani Dembele are both out of contract at the end of the year, and you try and offer them a new contract, and it lets you offer them £2,700 a week, which, for some reason, they're not that interested in taking, so they're straight on the sale list. Luckily, we managed to get the Griezmann future transfer put in, so we don't have to worry about him coming back to the club. But yeah, the budget, it was something like £700,000 a week over the wage budget at the start of the game. And with these loan repayments coming in and making it worse and worse as time goes on, it kind of became very quickly sell almost everybody. And that's kind of where we were at the end of the first season. We'd sold pretty much everybody and started rebuilding from scratch. 
So, I mean, how, how did you rebuild from scratch? What, what did you start with? Were you the sort of Brian Clough, you know, start with a goalkeeper and uh, build, it, build it out from there? I started with Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham had a cracking season for Roma and he was relatively cheap. I don't think he was enjoying his time in Italy. So Tammy Abraham came in, gave him the Barcelona number 10 shirt, officially Messi's replacement. And he came straight in and was fantastic. And we just kind of started bringing in transfer listed players that was the key because we didn't really have money to spend but there was money that we generated from letting players go and then I was just looking for players that I could pick up on the cheap who usually were transfer listed or out of contract players or who could come in cheap and didn't want a lot of money either I put a self-imposed 200,000 pounds a week wage budget limit which immediately ruled out like half the squad they had to go because they were already over it but we brought in Tammy Abraham we brought in Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain Rudiger and Aspilicueta from Chelsea were both out of contract at the end of the season so they came in on the cheap and we just basically spent the next several seasons hunting for bargains until we started getting to the point where we could maybe start to spend a little bit again. And it took a long time to get to that point. I mean, it must have been difficult in those early stages because, I mean, I'm guessing you can't really renew many contracts. You can't renew any. No budget. You can't renew any at the start. It's, it, 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 you often hear about managers having to sell to buy. I had to sell just to keep the others. It was it was <laughs> ridiculous. Sergio Roberto let, um, signed a pre-contract with Liverpool in January and the best counter-offer I could give him was a couple of grand a week. And... Uh, yeah, he wasn't that interested. I mean, you can live very comfortably on a couple of grand a week. He, I mean, he disagreed just... <laughs> with me when I tried to make that argument, believe it or not. And if, if you really love the club, I think, you know, you, you'd make those sacrifices, wouldn't you? I think we learned a lot about them all. What, what I really loved about this was, um, you know, you've obviously got all these fires to put out. You've got players that you can't keep. You can't attract any new ones. Um, you, you're doing this all under the pressure of playing football manager in front of people, which is, is <laughs> always kind of anxiety-inducing experience. And then underneath, there's just a million comments having a go at you for not playing tiki-taka. Oh, I know. Oh, wow. That has been the thing that's upset people most. This isn't realistic. You're not playing the Barcelona way. And my, my stock <laughs> reply is, look, it's called rebuilding Barcelona. If I did everything the way Barcelona do it traditionally, I don't think I'm going to fix very much. So I've got to do things a little bit differently. Exactly. (laughs) We had to play a system that works with the players that we could get. And as much as Tammy Abraham is great, I don't know that he's built for tiki-taka. It's had an astonishing response, like hundreds of thousands of views. What do you think it is that sort of captures the, the imagination? I think it's a a combination of a couple of things. I think the fact that I am, like you said earlier on, I'm effectively jumping into a time machine and almost playing FM 22 early. I think that really excites people because traditionally this time of the year, I I mean, this time last year, I I wasn't even making videos. I was moving out. I was having a bit of time off. This is usually when I recharge the batteries getting ready for the new game. But I think the fact that we've found a way to play this season early has been a big thing and i just think the barcelona story has really captured people's interest as well so many people as soon as everything started to happen with barcelona over the summer and the messy story i imagine a lot of people then were thinking well i know what i'm doing as my first fm22 save <laughs> and then i march along two months early like here it is i'm doing it and not only am i doing it in the description you can download the save file and have a go yourself if you want so i've had like five thousand people download that and play along 
and I, I don't want to give too much away, but the fact that you're in the fourth season and you're still there indicates it, it must have gone pretty well. Um, <laughs> but, of course, in a couple of weeks, we expect the beta version of FM22 to drop. Mm. Are you going to be rebooting and doing the same challenge, but with you know the, the sort of official data, or, or are you heading off somewhere I else? I don't think I'm going to do Barcelona again, because I, I don't think Lightning will strike twice on the channel the same way again, and I think a lot of people will be doing it. I'll definitely have a look. I'll be really interested to see how SI have implemented it, because it took me and a, a couple of other guys a, a, a full day, a full Sunday, early in September, to work out how to make the finances work and not have the game fix them for you. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to do it within the current structure or if they've had to amend some of their built-in rules and things to make it work. So I'll definitely have a look at what they're doing. But I think I've I've kind of, because I've brought in so many new people to the channel off the back of this series, I've got people now asking what rebuilds I'm going to do next. So I've got a little bit of a shortlist <laughs> forming now. There's the uh, the early suggestion was Arsenal because this was when Arsenal had lost their first couple of games of the season. It was all going wrong and there was a few people suggested that. But then we had Derby have their points deduction and not everything that's going on there. So people are saying, well, you've got to rebuild Derby now. And now the latest thing, taking a slightly different twist on it, is well, how about you do Newcastle now? You re oh, yeah. rebuild, do the, do the exact opposite. You've gone from a billion in debt. See how quickly you can rebuild a team with a billion to spend. So I've got options yeah. for sure. <laughs> if, if you fancy having a crack at South End at any point, um, that's do, another do one that's been suggested. Yeah, that's another one that's on the suggestion pile. Definitely, it, it's it's a good game to play because you literally couldn't make us any worse at, at this point. <laughs> the, the, the bar is so low, you can't. You have to. It's one of those where it's pretty hard to get yourself to sacked. <laughs> it really, really should be. Um, we, we've just been talking about um, some of the new animations and uh, the the overhaul of, of the match engine that's that's been talked about on the Football Manager site. Having a look ahead at FM22, are, are there any of those features that have really caught your eye that you're excited to test out? I mean, the big thing that stood out to me was, I think it was in the first of the videos that they put out, where they talked about how the plug-and-play Gegenpress had been killed. And anyone who's been following my work for a long time and has seen the streamer showdown over on Twitch and uh, the fact that I keep winning that with variations of a Gegenpress, I'm a little bit afraid that my magic powers might have been taken away from me. Um, I never used the exact plug-and-play one, but it's always been a variation of this Gegenpressing system sort of tweaked to suit the team that I'm playing. So part of me is terrified that I'm suddenly going to be really bad at the game, but then part of me is excited because it means I'm going to have to either learn to work around it or learn to do something different. So I'm kind of having my hand forced into doing something different tactically, whereas for the last, what, two or three years, it's been variations of the same kind of tactics that are the ones that tend to work so that is definitely interesting and just anything along the lines of ai tweaks i know they've talked a lot about um, ai tweaks i think ai tweaks were probably the big thing that was needed in the game if you play it as much as i play it, i mean i'm over 2000 hours into fm21 you do start to notice some of the stuff that's a little bit well i would tweak that a little <laughs> and um, obviously the, the guys over there play it even more than I do and have obviously noticed similar things and that stuff can only be beneficial as well. So I'm really looking forward to the new game, like I do every year, but really looking forward to it. That's excellent. I mean, we, we spoke to uh, Zealand last week about streaming um, and it is, as I say, it's something that loads of people try, but very few enjoy the, the sort of success that, that you two have had or, or make it look so sort of natural and, and easy. What, what, what do you think it all comes down to? I think 
it's it's one of those things where you kind of get out what you put in. You obviously have to have that little bit of natural ability to talk fluently into a microphone and into a camera and not feel self-conscious about doing that. So that's a that's a big part of it. But the other big part of it is just practice and skills that you can bring in from other areas of life. I know Zealand, you've used as an example, Zealand obviously has all of his background in broadcasting that he's able to bring in and apply to uh, social media and it's gone really well for him. Well, I've I've been doing podcasts for 12 years. I've been doing YouTube for six years. It's, it's true when they say there's no such thing as an overnight success. It's often a case of just sticking at it and getting over the fact that, I mean, everyone who's ever done it, everyone who's ever been successful at it has had those periods of time when you're streaming to one person and it's your dad uh, or you know <laughs> you put a video out and nobody cares and it's you've got to really really want it to get through those times and constantly be trying to improve what you're doing and kind of hone your craft we, we were talking a little bit before we hit record about all the ridiculous gear and stuff i've got in my house but it literally is a case of when i'm not creating content i'm figuring out how to improve the content that I'm making, whether that's with new tech, with new techniques. It's a long process. It's great fun, but you've got to be willing to really put the work in and do work some crazy hours and constantly be looking to improve. I mean, some people just want to have fun with it. And part of me thinks, I remember when it, I remember when it was just all about having fun, whereas now it's about tweaking audio levels and getting thumbnails designed because I can't <laughs> use Photoshop. <laughs> Well, where where can we find more of you? Uh, first of all, where can we find the videos? Uh, the videos are on my YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash Lelujo will take you there. Or if you just put Lelujo into Google, you'll find me on, on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, everywhere. It's L-O-L-L-U-J-O. Here's another big tip for anyone looking to get into it. Pick a username people can say and spell because <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. It's not even a word. The amount of misspellings you get at that is ridiculous and people not being able to say it. But yeah, if you put Lelujo into Google, you'll find, you'll find my YouTube, you'll find my Twitch, you'll find everything else. Welcome along. Come and get involved. It's fun. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kevin Chapman. Thank you. You're listening to the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, and because of that, you can get a very special offer on a subscription. If you go to theathletic.com forward slash FMPod, it's changed again, then you won't be paying normal person prices. This is your key to the executive bathroom, my friend. So visit theathletic.com forward slash FMPod for the very best football writing by the very best football writers like Amy Lawrence and Rafa Honigstein and Michael Cox and basically everyone you've been following on Twitter since 2009. For the third time, because it's changed, it's theathletic.com forward slash FMPod for a very special subscription deal to The Athletic. The Football Manager Show, Position of the Week. It's Position of the Week, and we are joined by Sports Interactive CJ Ramson. CJ, thank you for joining us again. Thanks for having me back. I'm very excited about this because, uh, as you all know, I, I tend to be a little, you know, prosaic, maybe a little old-fashioned. I'm <laughs> a middle-aged man, and that's my that's my role in life. We're doing the no-nonsense centre-back. Preach to me about the wonders of this player. So it is literally as you imagine. It's a no-nonsense centre-half. 
head and everything, kick and everything. Um, it's not a role that's kind of my go-to because I'm a big advocate of playing out the back no matter what level I'm playing at. So this won't go well with play out of defence or won't go well with a ball playing defender. But if you do have a squad that is played towards direct football and you don't want your defenders kind of taking it off the keeper or taking it off the midfielders, then this is a kind of perfect role for you. So you're going to have to have some tactics at work here. So th- this is for a more direct and probably lower skill level team, isn't it? Most certainly. Or if you want to just play really direct as it is with a higher level team even and you just want to make sure your defenders don't take too many risks on the ball you will get a lot of clearances and longer passes from the back which unless you're planned and set up for that and you kind of have your forward players making those forward runs in the channels then you might not get the full benefit from it but when you have it set up in the right system or if you're trying to play counter-attacking football or defensive football and hold on to a lead it can be extra effective. Now, I guess your your big benefit here is you're never going to have that thing. I think so many people play football manager and they're like, right, we are playing perfect football. We're going to build up from the back. We're going to pass it around. It always lasts right up until the moment where your centre back just seems to pause and consider his life options and then suddenly gets tackled and you're one nil down, at which point you start reassessing your life choices. <laughs> the big benefit is this guy is never going to do that. No, he will likely clear it before he had the time to think and take those touches it's been effective for me when I've played much lower league so league two or even further down the pyramid than that as much as you might want a player to play at the back if he just doesn't have the attributes and the skill set for it you can get more more out of him by using him as a no-nonsense centre-back especially if you're going down the kind of spithousery kind of route and you want to make one of those types of teams I think we use it in some of the counter-attacking presets and also like the part the bus preset as well it's definitely one of those roles where you kind of head and kick everything away rather than being the cultured centre-back on the ball playing through the lines. So what you gain is you don't have silly accidents, but you you must lose a lot, surely, just in terms of giving the ball away. Well, of course, you see the way that football is kind of moving in the modern era. You can't really have a centre-back nowadays, especially maybe at Premier League level, that doesn't play out the back or isn't quite competent with his feet. So I'd say it's less popular and less suited to the modern centre-backs. But of course, football is played at all levels and all defenders are different. So there will still be some defenders in game which are more suited to kind of this style of defending than the more ball-playing style of defending. I am fairly sure, and apologies if I'm wrong, but it was Johan Cruyff who in the late 80s said that he loved playing English teams because if he gave the ball away, they gave it straight back. That is something that this no-nonsense centre-back's going to do. But the very lowest levels of the game, are they very good for shutting out the other team's best goal scorer? You know, if you're up against someone who scored 20 goals in a season, can you grab one of these lads, set them to tight man marking and just watch nature take its brutal course? With the right player, with the right amount of strength, good positioning, kind of good heading, good jumping reach, you really do get strong performances, such as strong defensive performances rather than adding anything else to the game. I mean, like I said, I did use it at a lower level and did have some success with it. I've not really tried it when playing at higher level, just because, like I said, I'm a big fan of playing at the back and building from the back. Even at Premier League level, there's some very robust defenders, I imagine, you can imagine. Even if you're kind of using like the Burnley-type players as well, I've not used it personally with a team like that, but I imagine it would work really well 
the only downside would be obviously retaining possession and giving the ball away. All right, that is the no-nonsense centre-back. God bless him and keep him. <laughs> uh, that was CJ Ramson, and we'll have another one of these for you soon. Cheers, guys. Awesome. The Football Manager Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Yeah, it's time for your letters, uh, your messages. Also, we, we discovered, well, producer Steve, you discovered that you can leave comments if you're listening on the app. I had no idea. There's loads of comments in there. Absolutely, yeah. So do, please do uh, comment there if you can. And thanks very much for them. How are you? I'm all right. Much, much better now. You know, two weeks on from super cold. <laughs> I feel revitalised. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I listened to Kevin, uh, as we just heard, a bit concerned about the whole, and as you mentioned, in terms of FM22 and the physical condition of players, because as someone who is running their play, their first team into the ground at the moment, <laughs> I am slightly worried that I'm going to come a cropper very badly <laughs> in the next game. Yeah, it's it's really difficult to tell now, and I think we'll we'll obviously know more when it lands, but... I think it's going to be more important than ever to make sure that everything you do is linked up. So if you're going to play that sort of football, you're, you've got to have really good fitness coaches. You've got to be doing loads of work in training. You've got to have a good preseason because by the sounds of it, it's going to punish you in those latter stages by having players just that are unable to press or unable to pass the ball accurately. Great, great stuff. Just as I was making progress. There we go. Well, anyway. <laughs> Everyone back to control possession immediately. <laughs> Uh, what have we got in the letters box so first up we have Phil Harris and he writes to say for my FM22 save I'm planning a homegrown save with Anderlecht where I can only sign Belgian players to try and keep the development of these players under my control I wanted to turn my under 21 side into a B team lower down the pyramid a bit like Brentford did a few years ago for example I have very little experience with the data editor and wondered if you knew how straightforward this might be so we spoke to Sports Interactive. They passed the question on to their editor specialist, Freddie Sands. And he says, if you keep it basic, it's pretty simple. You just need to find the reserve teams tab for Anderlecht under the editor and set the correct division for the correct team. The only problem is making sure division numbers stay the same across the board because you will have to remove a team from lower down the pyramid to make space for your Anderlecht under 21 side. But also a team needs to be added into that under 21 league to make up for a team being removed. If you follow all of that, you're a better man than I. <laughs> but good luck with that. That sounds like a really interesting challenge. Um, if you make it work, Phil... Drop us a line. Let us know how it goes. Perfect. And also unfair, depending on which team you decide to get rid of as well. Yeah, it's, it's well, I mean, this in essence is the uh, the conundrum with B teams in the Football League in, in England, isn't it? That if you're going to drop 8, 10, 12 B teams in, you're going to wipe out 8, 10, 12 of, you know, clubs that have been there for 100 years. It's funny. It's a really simple thing. And yet we can never really convince anyone at the upper levels of football why that might be a bad thing. <laughs> quite, quite. It's the strangest thing. I don't know what it is yeah. that little clubs don't have. Next letter is Joe Markland. And there's been a lot in the news recently about clubs signing overage players specifically to work with their under-23 squad. In the FM world, would signing some experienced players specifically for the 23s help your youngsters develop faster? 
I love this because I've been doing this for years, ever since you started having the ability to play a reserve team, which I think was probably CMO 102. I've just been unable to ever let my elderly players leave. And so I've, I've convinced myself that it will be a great thing to have them, you know, helping out with the kids, sitting at the base of midfield, just instructing them like Glenn Hoddle at Swindon. <laughs> And I'm delighted to say there is actually something in it. Uh, Again, we took it to Sports Interactive. We took it to Andrew James over there. And he says, signing highly professional players with good personalities can raise the standards in training. And via mentoring groups, the personality type and certain traits of the player's game can rub off on the younger players they're grouped with. He says he supposes that adding them directly to the under-23 squads could help by potentially raising the ability of the squad and helping performances in matches, which aids development. But you do have to be careful because if that player isn't happy about being stuck in the under-23s, then he might end up complaining and then he's not a good role model at all. So sort of six of one, half a dozen of the other. I reckon you could probably get away with like one, one or two. And as long as you're being clear with the player and telling them that they're they're a backup option and that they've agreed to that. I love it. I love the fact that it legitimises something that I thought I was doing that was a bit weird. <laughs> and which players in particular over the literally two decades, right, have you been playing that you've got particularly sentimental about that come off the top of your head? Oh, God, that's a really, really good one. It's always, it's the ones that have just been with you. Like you, when you've done like a rescue job, And you've got that sort of that deep lying playmaker who is with you in League One and he's come up all the way and he's not good enough for the the Premier League. It's that sort of Glenn Whelan type player where you're just like, I can't let you go. God, look at look at your leadership. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. I remember on 0102 in particular as well. I think I kept Totty way beyond, way beyond when it should have been, should have let go of him. But you can't. Obviously, that's a very specific one. You can't get rid of the King of Rome, can you? You know. No. Good God, no. Good God, no. Right. Next up is Liam Drake, and he writes in about MTK Budapest and asks, have you ever considered visiting and going to a game of a club just because you've managed them in the game? I vowed that once we were allowed to travel again, I would grace the Hidaguti Nandor Stadium in Budapest. But I've since been warned that it isn't actually the friendliest of places in the real world and has some questionable stickers placed around the stadium. (laughs) For some reason, that probably tied in with some of the behaviour of Hungary fans we've seen in recent weeks may have put Liam off seeing his beloved MTK Budapest in the flesh. Well, I can't speak for Budapest because I've never been there, but ages and ages ago, I think it was about 2011, and I cannot remember why I did this, but there was a, a sort of... It might have just been a Twitter football manager challenge to see what you could do with Ballatown in Wales, mm. um, who were the most obscure team that I could think of in the UK. And uh, it, it was great. We had loads of people playing along. And, yeah, you, you basically have no money. You do, like, self-contained Welsh League. Uh, the best way to do it, if you do want to do this, is do it on full detail as well. So you, you can really get stuck into the scouting and really learn your way around the league. It's quite fun, even though there's varying levels of quality and you probably couldn't get away with Tiki Taka. Um, you really come to know all the players in, in all of the teams. Because um, anyway, it was just really good fun. And then I noticed Ballatown had qualified for the opening rounds of, of the UEFA Cup. And I got in touch with them and they'd they'd actually been reading about this on Twitter 
And not only did I end up going along to interview everyone there for ESPN, but the, the chairman of the club actually invited me to uh, to stay over in his spare room. Uh, <laughs> wow. He took me down to the stadium, met the manager, went out to the pub uh, wow. and just had a really... And Ballot is beautiful. I had genuinely lived like 30 years of my life, A, without going to North Wales and, and, and B, certainly with not going to Ballot. It's absolutely beautiful out there. It was like one of those really scenic atmospheric drives over the uh, over the rolling hills and, and, and mountains and stuff. And um, it was just fantastic. And it all came out of just playing football manager. That's a lovely, very bucolic story. It really yeah. is. Oh. And also it feels like Ballet would have been on your FM, say, the sort of team that would have benefited from a no-nonsense centre-back as well. Well, absolutely. Yeah. And who, who among us wouldn't benefit from a no-nonsense centre-back? Um, that is the letters. If you want to get in touch, it's imacintosh at theathletic.com. I'm on Twitter, uh, Ian underscore games, and that's Ian with two eyes. And yeah, it seems that you can leave comments on the app as well. Who knew? Joe Devine off the TIFO. What else do you play? Rocket League is the best football video game, in my opinion. Now, before I explain to you why, let me tell you what Rocket League is. If you haven't heard of it and you haven't played it before, Rocket League is car football. And I know that sounds bad, but it's I promise you it's not. It's car football. You play as a car. <laughs> you play against other cars and you play football. You try to score in the opponent's net. All the rules are the same, but it's with cars. Very exciting. Here's why I think it is the best game though. Now in terms of the, the game itself, the way it plays, the physics of the game, when you touch the ball, it doesn't get stuck to your car like it does in FIFA or in Pro Evo or many of these other football video games. When you move with your player, the ball isn't sort of compelled to stay with you unless you, you know, do a vicious turn left and get tackled. When you touch the ball in Rocket League, it bounces off as far away as how hard you hit it and in the direction that you hit it in. There's no AI assist when you hit the ball. How far it goes just depends on how well you make contact with it, which I think is fantastic because it feels very satisfying when you hit the ball well. It feels very irritating when you hit the ball poorly. And of course, as you sort of level through the game and, uh, and improve your skills and get better, the chances of you hitting the ball poorly are decreased and, and decreased. Now that is to say, because when you first start, just hitting the ball is a good thing, right? When you're a low-level player or new to the game, just hitting it is great. When you're a sort of average-level player, being able to hit the ball relatively well, being able to score goals with intention, that's good, that's expected. And only really when you start to, to pass the sort of average user level of the game, you can start to control the ball pretty well on top of your car. You can start to uh, fly very high through the air and be able to direct more accurate shots. You, know, you start to have a little bit more control over the way that you play the game. And that's really the reason that I love this game so much. I've played it for 18 months and there isn't a month that's passed in that time where I haven't been able to say, I've learned how to do this new thing. I can see my physical improvement in front of me. I can feel myself getting better at the game and that is extremely satisfying. That happens in uh, in sort of concert with you not really winning or losing many more games. The matchmaking system is very good. So as you rank up through the game, it pits you against harder opponents and you're just as likely to lose the game as you are to win. So if you are somebody who does not enjoy losing 
in video games, then Rocket League is, is not for you. Because the odds are that unless you're gonna keep creeping all the way up to be a pro, winning and losing is gonna be about 50-50 when you hit your ceiling. I also like this game because it is free to play. You can play it cross-platform. So I play with a friend of mine, he's on a PC, I'm on a PlayStation, and that doesn't prevent us from being able to play as a team. And finally, before I go on for too long, the other reason I like this game is because it favours people who understand how football works. It's amazing how many times now I'm watching an actual football game and I see a sort of a ball rebounded off the cross or generally something from a set piece and it's headed in and I think, uh, wow, that really looks like a Rocket League goal. <laughs> it has become my primary reference for understanding what a goal should look like. But the better that you understand football and the better that you understand positioning, probably the better that you're going to be at the sort of mental element of Rocket League. Rotation is a huge element of, uh, of the team play when it comes to Rocket League. Understanding where your car is supposed to be at any given time, how to best support your teammate from a defensive and offensive perspective. And there's a real science to it, which takes time to learn, takes time to become comfortable with, but has also developed sort of organically within the community of people that play the game. They've worked out the most efficient, the best possible way to play this. And I think something that really stands the game in good stead and shows uh, how impressively well made it was is that that most efficient way of playing in many ways looks very similar to football. I and mean, that's why Rocket League is my favourite football video game. And that's our show. If you like it, like it, retweet it, review it. That's how we keep growing, you see. If you've done that already, you're partly responsible for more people listening to us than ever before. So, you know, thanks. Your guests today were Kevin Chapman off the YouTube, Joe Devine off the TIFO, CJ Ramson from Sports Interactive, your producer was Steve Hankey, and the label in my underpants says, I'm Ian McIntosh. Athletic.